If you want to call last night's loss to Arkansas a missed opportunity, I'd be hard-pressed to disagree with you. But overall, I'm feeling a lot more encouraged than discouraged, so I want to explain why coming up right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hail you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball, your team every day. And of course, we got to start by talking about the Missouri basketball game last night. Tigers lead by as much as 17 points in the game, but ultimately fall to Arkansas by six. Of course, on paper, as a fan, it's disappointing, and I found myself after the game realizing, wow, I really hate Arkansas basketball right now. These guys are getting on my nerves, especially Eric Musselman. Man, that guy just knows how to be unlikable, doesn't he? I feel like, I don't know, WWE should sign him as a heel or something. You'll instantly get somebody over with that kind of crowd heat, but regardless Whether we like Arkansas or not, I think we have to admit this is a really good program right now. Of course, the last two seasons for the Hogs, a couple Elite Eight appearances. This is looking like another top 10 or 15 type of squad, despite having a couple prominent injuries. But here's the thing. you got to put it in perspective if you're a Missouri fan. This is probably the second or first hardest game left on the Missouri schedule before it was played yesterday, along with Tennessee on the road. That's certainly what all the statistical projections would tell you. And actually, Missouri beat those projections yesterday. Hey, they covered the spread over at betonline.net. That's what good teams do, by golly. But in all seriousness, Missouri lost by six. Could have been four. Couple buckets here and there. Not exactly something to be that worried about, ultimately, at the end of the day. Again, I'm sort of of two minds on this game yesterday. As a fan, I'm disappointed that we couldn't have pulled one more out. And you couldn't help but think at one point when Missouri was up by 17, you thought, my goodness, are we going to blow another really good team out three in a row? But this game wasn't at Mizzou Arena. It wasn't in a neutral site, so you had to realize that at a certain point on a good team on the road, a big-time crowd and atmosphere at Bud Walton Arena, you just had to realize the Hogs had a run in them for sure. But overall, it's just hard for me to be too critical when last season this same Arkansas team, well, the same Arkansas program, let's put it that way, beat Missouri down in Arkansas by 44 points. So yes, a six-point loss compared to 44, I'm going to take that as a pretty good sign of improvement. In fact, a rather dramatic sign of improvement. Also, when you consider Missouri lost to Arkansas at home last year by 19 points as well, well, no wonder I'm a little bit annoyed with the Razorbacks right now. They've been giving it to us on the basketball court here the last few seasons, and I don't like that whatsoever. Now, one more thing about the Hogs. I'll tell you, I can absolutely not wait for the rematch of this game in Columbia, January 18th. As of now, projected to be a one-point loss for Missouri. Obviously, 
You're projecting a one-point loss. I mean, the ultimate toss-up, right? Ken Palm doesn't project ties, so that's about as close as you're going to get. And, of course, on Saturday, Missouri will hopefully be able to take care of business against a a pretty mediocre Vanderbilt squad. I'm projecting about a 10-point line there for Missouri being the favorite, of course. But then the next six ball games, we're talking Texas A&M, Florida, Arkansas, Alabama, Mississippi, and Iowa State. All six of those games are projected right within a basket. Three, two, or one points, just a one-bucket type of game. This really may be, this six-game run could really determine Missouri's season, at least in terms of the SEC standings, because if you can maybe go four and two in this stretch, you're suddenly then sitting at five and three, you're off to a great start in the conference. You go the other way, maybe get a little unlucky here at times, some bounces don't go your way, and well, you're looking maybe at obviously a lot a lot more difficult road to climb. But again, if Missouri can actually get through that stretch, well, being in the contention for the league isn't completely out of question. And well, really, we did the goal should be for Missouri, the absolute obviously the absolute top tier goal is, is winning the league. Maybe the more realistic goal is to get a bye in the SEC tournament. Get one of those top four seeds. I think that's possible for Missouri. I think that's a realistic goal that they should actually set for themselves. Now, generally speaking, while I do enjoy being on Twitter, I don't t- I don't tend to tweet a ton live during the games, but last night that was definitely an exception. And I was complaining about the officiating a good bit. And, and to me, I just thought it was really inconsistent from half to half, from period to period. I mean, there was a certain point in that game in the second half where I had, where Arkansas was making a run on Missouri, cutting its lead down continually, where I just had no idea what a foul was. I just, you couldn't, you couldn't define it for me. And I really don't relish being that guy who complains about the refs when his team loses, because certainly there's a million different ways that Missouri could have won that game on its own. But in this case, I honestly think I've earned it. And here's why. Because against Kansas, when Missouri got unfortunately blown out by the Jayhawks, one thing I said was, here's what's really scary, folks. Missouri actually got the benefit of the whistle in that ball game. So I don't think I'm actually insane here whatsoever. And actually, to be honest, and I think Dennis Gates would agree with me here, actually, after the game, Dennis Gates said he thought his team fouled too much and didn't always, quote, read the room when trying to draw fouls you're not likely to get in an SEC road game. Well, that was probably a nice way of saying the officiating wasn't necessarily in Missouri's favor, but at the same time, on the road, that's kind of what you should expect, right? That's just reality. Against fifteen thousand, against an arena of fifteen thousand, twenty thousand people, like there might have been at Bud Walton last night, like the ones you're going to see a lot at Missouri Arena the rest of this season. Hey, if Missouri gets that benefit at home, you know what? I'll take it. And really, it's mostly about fifty-fifty calls instead of just ridiculously bad missed calls. The kind of advantage that you get at home. I will say though. Fran Frischill online, he said, officials' jobs, he's, this was a tweet, a tweet of his recently, he said, an official's job is not to, quote, let them play, it's to officiate the rules. In any game, any time during the game, regardless of who the opponents are, 
the let them play and let the players decide crowd are not knowledgeable hoops fans. Well, I push back against Fran a little bit on that, just to say that there's a ton of subjectivities in fouls. You know? And let's be real. There's something that's very objective in basketball called three seconds in the lane. One, two, three. It's an amount of time. It's on a watch. You could calculate it quite easily. And yet, I don't think Fran Fraschilla is coming out for an extremely harsh interpretation of the three seconds in the lane rule. The reality is there's contact on lots of plays. And again, those 50-50 calls when guys are going up, there's clearly contact. Are we going to call something? Are we going to let it go? That's the type of stuff that in these you know back-and-forth basketball games, this was, a, this was a two-bucket game last night, it does make a ton of difference. So it's okay to point that out. I'm not saying that that's why Missouri lost. Certainly, there's a ton of things Missouri could have done better in the second half of that ball game, but it's okay to actually criticize the refs as well without being labeled a complete homer. And you know what? In that spirit, let's talk specifically about what Missouri did right and, of course, wrong against the Hogs. But first, I want to tell you that betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis, all the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. We're talking football, basketball, spring training, baseball just around the corner. Of course, soccer seems to go on all year all year around. So do combat sports, esports. They've even got podcasts for you over at betonline.net. Yeah, just when I need more competition, right? Well, if you want to check them out, Head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more over at Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Mizzou your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college hoops in one place. Plus, hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. That's Locked On. College basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get finer podcasts. And I thought the Missouri basketball game against Arkansas yesterday started off with an interesting little cat-and-mouse game between Dennis Gates and Eric Musselman. Tigers were actually up 12-5. Arguably 10-5, 12-5, let's say. You, you count the two free throws after the substitution of DeGray. But Ronnie DeGray was not being guarded outside whatsoever. They were putting, Arkansas was putting its center in the middle of the paint when DeGray was outside the three-point line. And Eric Musselman was saying, hey, go ahead and shoot wide open shots, pal. We will dare you to do it. And to DeGray's credit, he took them, absolutely, in just six minutes He took four three-pointers. Well, he hit the first one of the game for Missouri's first basket, but missed the next three. And again, Missouri, the reason I pointed out that Missouri actually had a lead there when DeGray came out, you know, I I think, I think DeGates made the right chance, right choice. I really do. You could say, hey, maybe he gave in to Musselman there, gave in to what he wanted for his strategy. Well, I just think that ultimately over the long term, being able to 
put a rim protector in there and just ignore, unless DeGray was really going to start knocking down those threes. If you had confidence in that, then leave him out there. I just don't have enough confidence in Ronnie's three-point shot to be relying on him taking, I don't know, 15 or 20 three-pointers because that's where it seemed like the game was going at a certain point. And, and I'm glad that Gates actually made an adjustment there for this ball game and left DeGray out. And it seemed like Aiden Shaw ended up getting a lot of what DeGray's minutes would have been. And while Shaw definitely didn't have a, a monster stat line by any stretch of the imagination, as usually had a monster highlight dunk off of a nice set play. But I was just really impressive with Shaw's effort. He ended up with four rebounds in 13 minutes. But even the rebounds he wasn't getting, I just thought his he was tenacious. I just love how hard Aiden Shaw plays. And while I actually think there's a lot more perimeter and, and skill and, and diversity to his offensive game than what he's shown so far, I love that he's doing what Dennis Gates and the coaching staff is asking him to do. And he's doing it really, really tenaciously and with a smile on his face. So again, I really, really like Aiden Shaw, the, the little bit I've seen from this freshman so far. And to me, the other interesting cat and mouse game from the first half between the two coaches was how Missouri was playing defense against Arkansas. Of course, just a ton of zone defense from Missouri. For a lack of a better description, it almost was a, a switching or rotating 2-3 zone is what I would call that because not only it looked like a standard 2-3 at the beginning of the play, but then as the play would unfold, maybe the zone would, there'd be a penetration into it. Well, you'd see a bunch of rotation. A guy would come help out of his zone, and then a guy on the backside would rotate into his zone, and et cetera, et cetera. It's not something I've seen a whole lot of is the point, and I don't think it was something Arkansas had ever really seen before either. I think something when Missouri's playing its best defense, and this was certainly the case in the first half yesterday, they're really good at making the other team think instead of play and instinctively react. And I think that's what Gates has been doing with doing lately by changing up Missouri's defenses a lot. And at one point in the first half, it felt like, okay, Arkansas was hitting some better cuts, had some better ball movement. But for the most part, the Razorbacks were held in check. They had 27 points in the first half, and if it weren't for a lot of offensive rebounds and putbacks and that type of deal, it would have been a lot worse than that. I thought Missouri got the better shots, clearly, in the first half. I don't think there's any question about that, but actually, in the second half, to me, actually, when Arkansas actually just slowed down a little bit in the half court, and instead of trying to just move it so quickly and just because Missouri's rotations were so quick and they were doing a great job of helping each other and moving around the court. It was like Arkansas was trying to move even quicker than Missouri, but actually, no, they needed to just stand for a second and go, now, wait a second. How can, what's the best way for me to attack this? Then attack it and go just dribble. And then a quick pass shoot. Like you didn't need as much, okay, four or five guys touching the ball around the perimeter. What you really need is, all right, let's find a matchup we like, attack it, and then wait for the help. And once the help's there, pass it immediately and take the shot. And once they started doing that, 
getting the matchups they wanted, especially with Debo Davis there in the second half. There wasn't a whole lot Missouri could do about it, and it felt a little bit reminiscent of what Bill Self pulled against the Tigers a few weeks back. And coming up, ever since the three-point line was introduced to college basketball in the 1980s, of course, the progression of the line has been to move it farther and farther away from the basket. Well, I'm going to make the case that actually we should move the line back in just a little bit. But first, I want to tell you about our old friends at Build Barn. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all of the ridiculous sugar and calories, well, you got to try Built Bar. You just made it through the holidays. You'd want to stay on track, right? Well, here's why you want to stick with Built Bar, because not only are these things delicious, they're also high in protein, low in calories, low in sugar. Come on. It's almost too good to be true, right? Well, I've got an even better bit of news for you. You don't need to wait around and get a box of Built Bars anymore. For years, I've been talking about ordering your bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's Club like we have here in Columbia, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank me later. Again, Built.com, Walmart, or Sam's Club. So as I said before in the previous segment, obviously the college basketball three-pointer has been around a long time now. Since the 80s, in fact, 1987, your first season. Well, back then, 14% of all, of all points scored in college basketball that first year were on three-pointers. Not a whole lot, at least not compared to today's game when we're well over 33%. More than a third of the points scored in college basketball are on the three. Well, it was a steady increase from 1987 all the way until 2008 when the NCAA moved the three-point line back for the first time. And for about seven or eight years, if the point was for moving the three-point line back, if the point was to discourage three-pointers to reverse that trend, well, for a few years, it actually worked. About six, seven, or eight years, it all trended down. That is until that trend hit the bottom in 2015, and ever since, every single year, it's been a rather almost parabolic increase in the amount of three-pointers in basketball in the last, say, seven or eight years or so. It's really been a remarkable increase. And so the NCAA this season decided once again to move back the three-point line. Now here's my argument. You look at what's happened this year at, at just Missouri alone. Well, this, this change in the three-point line, moving it back a few more inches, has done absolutely nothing to discourage Dennis Gates and his strategy of shooting the three at a really, really high rate. And by the way, it's not we're not missing them more either. Not only is Missouri shooting more threes, they're actually making them at about a 9% percent 
higher rate as well. So really impressive stuff from Missouri so far. But my point is just in terms of the game itself, if what we're trying to do is discourage three-point shots, well, if you really watch basketball as I do, especially at the pro level, what you realize is the pros set the standards for a few years, and the college game, the high school, the amateurs, well, they start catching up a few years later. When you watch guys like Trey Young and Damian Lillard at that level, I mean, they're shooting three or four feet behind the NBA line now. So there is no really such thing anymore as discouraging three-pointers unless you're going to dramatically move the line back, and frankly, that's not going to happen because that involves changing the, the aspects of the court itself. You'd actually need to widen a basketball court to, in my opinion, move the three-point line far enough back to do what you want it to do, which is to get people to shoot fewer three-pointers, right? If that's the goal, well, I think moving it back a few inches in here or there, it's not going to do it. All it's going to do, it'll cause maybe a few more missed shots here and there. And if that's what you want, you want fewer shots to go in, you want fewer points scored, because I don't know that that's what your fans want whatsoever. I've never watched a basketball game and thought, darn, I just shot, saw too many shots go in. You know, it'd be a lot more fun if they had just bricked a few more three-pointers. So to me, this is sort of like the old thing of cutting off your nose to spite your face. Why is college basketball making its product slightly less entertaining for what? For the goal of getting the game to look more like it looked in the 70s and 80s or something, or the 90s even, well, I, I think we're beyond, we've passed that Rubicon at this point. Again, unless you're going to move the three-point line back five feet or something dramatic like that, three feet even, I, I just don't see it being a difference. You look at the parabolic move we've seen since 2015, well over a third of the points scored in college basketball are now from the three-pointer. It was less than 15% in the 80s. I, I just don't see a few inches here or there changing that. So to me, I think there's a pretty good argument to be made. Actually, just leave the line where it was back in 87 even. Let's see some shots go in. Let's see some points scored because the three-pointer is here to stay. Deal with it. All right, thanks for making Locked on Mizzou your first listen today. For your second listen, check out our brand new podcast, Locked on College Basketball. Isaac Shade, Andy Patton, they bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big-time experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. That's Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So until next time, I'm John Miller. And thanks for listening to Locked on Mizzou.